Welcome to the KnoxCast, where we talk to the community about all things Knox. My name is Mitch Prentice, and welcome to Season 2. We are proud of the feedback we received on the first season of this show and appreciate every guest who joined us to make it a reality. To kick off Season 2, we were joined by Knox alum Joanna Novak and John and Elaine Fellows professor in English, Rob Smith. Joanna currently works as a professor as well as an author with a new release this year. Rob, on the other hand, actually taught Joanna during her time at Knox. They joined us today to talk about creative writing at Knox, its long legacy, and what writing projects they've been up to. Joanna and Rob, how are you doing today? Wonderful. Thanks for having us, Mitch. Absolutely. Now, we are here to talk about creative writing. We're here to talk about Knox in relation to that. Both of you have books coming out or that have already come out. Uh, lots to chat about. I would love for each of you to kind of give our listeners a little background about yourself and just your history as a writer, history with Knox, um, whatever you feel like is relevant. Joanna, we'll start with you. Okay, Joanna Novak, uh, class of 2007. I was a creative writing major at Knox. Um, I'm the author of six books, most recently Contradiction Days, An Artist on the Verge of Motherhood, which Catapult put out in July. Um, I am a freelance writer as well with uh, bylines in the New York Times, The Atlantic, Washington Post, Paris Review, etc. Mom, dog owner, ice cream lover, professor of creative writing, and um, all around grateful uh, Knox alum. Awesome. And let me let me piggyback off that real quick. So you said you're actually teaching now too. Yes, yes, yes. I um, I'm a professor at Mount St. Mary's University in Los Angeles, where I teach in their MFA for creative writing. Oh, interesting. Okay, so is that something you you always knew you wanted to go into teaching when you were at Knox, or did that kind of just happen? Uh, I didn't know that when I when I started at Knox. Um, no, I had no idea. If you had actually told me that I would be able to stand in front of a classroom yeah. of students and have a cogent conversation about um, craft, I would have been incredulous. Interesting. That's very interesting. And it's, it's especially interesting because, Rob, you taught Joanna when she was at Knox. Isn't that right? I'll let you kind of get into uh, everything about you now. Well, I, I guess technically I, I taught Joanna. I don't think she learned much from me. I mean, um, I remember really clearly um, my wife had a collection of uh, short fiction from her class and I picked it up and I read a short story by Joanna. Um, Barbara said, you've got to read this. And I was like, really? And I read it and I was like, what's wrong with her? And, and, and Barbara's like, well, she's a writer, isn't she? I'm like, yeah, she's a writer, all right. Was a, she was a first year student and I was kind of, astonished by what she did and she later published that short story um, in the collection give me some like small details about that what i gotta know something about that oh it, it was an extraordinary short story it was I, I i feel uneasy talking about it because it was it was so uh it's much like her her new memoir it has moments of great explicitness and shock <laughs> and, um, I, I couldn't believe what i was reading that's interesting. That's interesting. So how long have you been at Knox now? I think it's almost like 30 years. It's almost 30 years. So you've seen, so that's interesting that you have been around for that long. It's probably seen a lot of short stories in that time. And this one in particular, 
took you back. That's interesting. That must say something about Joanna's writing, I would imagine. Well, I, I try not to read students' creative writing. You know, I, I don't teach creative writing. You know, I teach like right. Right. lit, so it's very rare that I'll pick up, unless I'm reading Catch or something. And of course, Joanna edited Catch. Um, also, gotcha. Well, I want to talk. I mean, obviously, you said you're more in the lit field, but the writing department and the, the writing culture at Knox in general is definitely shifting a lot recently. I think, um, you know, I'm sure many people who are listening to this are aware of the passing of Monica Berlin and Robin Metz within the last few years, and there's just a lot of professors who were like the staple foundational pillars of of that part of Knox College, whether it was in the literary field, you know, poetry, nonfiction, fiction, you know, th those are two big people to, to lose. And a lot of people were very heavily affected by that, myself, including graduating as a creative writing major. I'm curious, Rob, like from your perspective, um, how, how do you feel like the college is going to shift moving forward? Do you feel like that's something, do you feel like those kind of huge presence of people can be replaced easily? I think they're an enormous loss. But Knox has this long history of creative writing. Um, th there are great creative writers at Knox. And I don't think there's anything more important um, today than, than creativity, even in the field of business or in any arena. Creativity is incredibly important, and, and there's no way we're not going to pursue a really aggressive creative writing program in Nova. I'm very impressed by some of the young writers we have. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And Joanna, I'm curious, that's, that's an interesting point, the how important creativity is now, right? Like, how, how much does that play into your teaching, your writing? I mean, was that kind of creative spirit, would you feel like? Was that installed, like, at Knox, or was that something that you always kind of had in there? Like, how, how would you say that played off of you when, when you were a student? Studying creative writing at Knox was like getting an MFA before I even know, knew an MFA existed. I cannot overstate the importance of the, the creative writing faculty, the creative writing classes I took, the humanities in general at Knox made me the person I am today. Um, and the respect and reverence for the arts and what being a citizen of the arts entails and how that prepares you to live a good life in the like sense of eudaimonia, like that's what Knox gave me. And that doesn't seem, to Rob's point, that couldn't be more uh, necessary for our survival today. I mean, it's just like all we have, I think. When did you when did you start teaching, Joanna? Um, <laughs> I started. Does that do, do I count my TA ships at Knox because I was doing a few of those? Oh, fair, fair. Uh, I TA'd for uh, for Barbara Tannert Smith in two thousand seven, probably two thousand six or two thousand seven. Um, I yeah, I TA'd a psychology class. Um, mostly because those were ways to um, not take a class and um, work closely with a faculty member and write a lot. So I started teaching my second year in grad school. So in 2008 uh, at WashU in St. Louis, where I did my first MFA. 
I would say I've only become like a decent teacher in the last 10 years. Like, you know, when you are teaching in grad school, it's such a interesting experience. And um, sorry, Monica is somewhere rolling her eyes that I just said interesting because she um, really would not abide that word. But uh, uh, yeah, you know, in grad school, you are like really learning on the fly. You know, there's no teacher training or I didn't have any teacher training when I taught. At Washu. I know a lot of people have these really incredible, like one-on-one or like in-class like r- memories with Monica, like these like fun. I had somebody talk about, um, told me one time about this um, instance where she brought uh, oranges and chocolate to class once and said like, that's all you need to write good poetry or something along those lines. I, I, I probably have that off a little bit, but these fun little anecdotes, do you have anything to share like that? My freshman, yeah, when I was a first year at Knox in her workshop, I wrote a poem about eating a, eating Swedish fish, the candy yeah, Swedish yeah. fish. Uh, they're really good. They taste like popcorn. Oh, I love them. Yeah, I wrote a poem about eating those in the shower and okay. what it was like to try to eat food in the shower. And then on my birthday, she brought me a bag of Swedish fish. Oh, that's lovely. That's lovely. That's a great memory right there. And and just kind of tying that together too, like with, you know, like you said, you've, you've been teaching for a while now and, and Knox was clearly a very important part of your journey so far. I'm curious if, you know, just looking at the professors that you've had, just the faculty interactions or even like peer interactions at Knox and, you know, just all of those kind of things that built you to be the person you are now, like, what would you say you've taken the most away from that experience in terms of your own teaching style, in terms of the way you interact with students now? Oh, I just taught my first classes of the semester a few days ago, so I'm keenly aware of this. A sense of being, if not my students equal, my students collaborator or champion or advocate in creative writing at Knox, in the creative writing department in Knox, there weren't any people that I worked with who presented in the sage on a stage sort of uh, mode of teaching. There wasn't anybody that I worked with who wouldn't want to be called by their first name. And it's incredible to me that there are people who want to be called, not their first name, who want to be called professor or doctor and even ask their you know, adult graduate students that it just it never would have happened in a Knox classroom and um, and that speaks to what I think is really important for an artist or a writer which is to remain open to learning throughout your entire life and so you know it's that kind of familiarity with students that leads me to do things like say okay well when we're doing in class writing i'm writing in class with you too if we're trying to institute like some sort of daily writing practice let me join in on the accountability email list and we're all just going to try this together that was the spirit at Knox. That's incredible. That's a that's that's a great thing to point out. And and Rob, I, I'd love your like immediate reaction from that. Like, as a professor yourself, like, do you kind of relate to what what she just said there? I do. I, I think that's just the liberal arts experience in, in general. 
I'm maybe a bit more authoritarian than most of the professors in English, and, and I do think of myself as a peer. I mean, you can't not. Well, I'd love to transition into some of your more immediate changes in life right now with these great uh, books you all have coming out or already have come out, you know, right within a similar window for both of you. Um, I guess, Joanna, we'll start with you since yours actually just came out in July. You already gave the name earlier, but I'll say it again, Contradiction Days, an artist on the verge of motherhood. Uh, let's hear about that. Uh, first off, where where is this in your um, bibliography at this point? Is have, have you many other publications? I'd love to hear about those as well. Yeah, this is my sixth book. Um, it's my first book of creative nonfiction. It's my first memoir. Um, and yeah, it's about my experience being pregnant, dealing with some intense prenatal depression, and looking for the cure in the painter Agnes Martin, with whom I became deeply obsessed. And in thinking about Agnes Martin, I was trying to reckon with what motherhood, or how motherhood rather, would change my relationship to my to my art, yeah. to my writing. Interesting. Now, is this in the scale? Like, that's a very personal subject, right? Like, that's like very much like right from the heart, right? Like, how does that relate to your other writing? Your among the other six, right, or or the six in total? Like, um, do you do you like pulling from a personal place, or you know, where does this kind of rank among those? I think I'm as a fiction writer, I tend toward autofiction. As a poet, I take from my life and then try to erase my subjectivity with formal and stylistic manipulations that kind of uh, lessen the role of autobiography. And in creative nonfiction, since I began writing creative nonfiction really concertedly, which was like in 2012 or 13, the memoir came out where I talked about I talked about Barbara. You can see Barbara has a, had a huge impact on me. Um, and something that she told me, like my second year at Knox, which was like, it was probably much more eloquent than this, but all I remember is her telling me to try to write in scenes and to think of scenes like neat, like neat boxes in which the action could be contained. And if I could just put something in the box, then I could kind of move along in the story. And I needed to I needed to focus on those boxes because my writing tends to be sort of like lyrical, sprawling, etc. And creative nonfiction, the memoir especially, um, is always me trying to like see what I can say clearly, eloquently, persuasively in one of those boxes. That's such a great connection right there. I love that idea of those boxes too. That's just, I can imagine it like when you were going through the process of putting this together, like th those boxes, they were all probably all filled at the end. You're like that just all came together so nice. That's cool. That's great. And Rob, on your end of things, um, a very different kind of book coming out, a detective novel call, and coming out in October uh, called The Scotsman. Tell us about that. Yeah, I've written quite a lot of short stories over the years, but they're usually um, artsy little things in literary magazines. And, you know, no one ever reads them, of course. And then uh, I was working on something, and then during COVID, I had an agent 
And he was like, you should turn this into a detective book. And then I broke up with my agent. And then I thought, you know, that wasn't a bad idea. And so um, I wrote it and I sent it to a competition in, in Britain and, and it won. This was like three years ago. It's taken three years to actually. Um, well, you know, the, the, the hard thing about detective fiction is you can't really talk about it without kind of destroying what, what you're doing. Um, it, it's not something I've ever been used to doing. As a writer, I'm used to working by myself. And when you write a detective novel, you end up working with lots of different people, editors and people who come in and say, don't do that. And you say, no, no, that's great. I, I love that bit. And they're like, don't do that. The audience won't like it. And I'm like, well, I don't like the audience, but I end up doing what they tell me to do anyway. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's what you have to do. It's a very different kind of thing. I, I'm quite good with things like humor and dialogue, but I have no clue how to do a plot. And detective fiction is all about plot, you know, so. Yeah, I would say plot is pretty important, pretty important in the detective uh, genre, right? I mean, did, what was that? So like when you had that like final draft and you had connected point A to B and all the many, you know, points in, in between, were you just amazed that you made it come together? No, because I had people working with me, like I had a really good detective writer, did a final polish, and he would come in and say, you know, you said this in chapter two, and then in chapter seven, you said this, come on. Yeah. <laughs> so so that, that's a very different kind, kind of writing. Well, in terms of like writing with like, I, I'd call it like a team, right? It sounds like you're part of a team. Like, is that, is, was that the first time you had done something like that? Oh, yeah, I've had editors for short stories, but never anything like the kind of collaboration. I worked with an editor at the press, and then I worked with the editor of the press. And, and then they brought in a detective novelist to uh, Polish, uh, which was really interesting because I got kind of resentful about that, but I ended up doing everything he told me to do. Um, but that, that was, I, I don't play well with others, Joanna can tell you that. Um, but you have to when you do this kind of fiction. Well, it's like, well, but like writing is such a personal thing, right? I mean, like it's you behind the keyboard or, you know, and, and putting the words on the document, on the screen, as it were. And to have somebody come in and, and like kind of tell you, yes, no, that's right, that's wrong. I mean, that's got to be difficult. I, ca I can't even, like as somebody who uh, is primarily in the journalistic field, um, I've kind of had to be used to that my, my entire writing career because there, there hasn't been a single thing I've ever put out that hasn't had somebody else's hands on it, right? But when it's a fictional story, when it's something that you're crafting from your own mind, these characters that you've mulled over in your head, you know, a thousand times, to have somebody come in and kind of, uh, you know, critique that and tell you yes, no, right or wrong, I, that has got to be a unique experience, I imagine. I think that's what happens in genre fiction, though. When you work in a genre, there's a, a formula um, and there's certain things you, you actually have to hit on certain notes. So it's not the most creative endeavor um, compared to the kind of thing that I usually do. And the thing Joanna does all the time, which is go out on a limb and take risks and take chances and, and just exude this kind of creative impulse no matter where it takes her. Joanna, I'm kind of curious on, on that point, too, just talking about the editing process and kind of having other hands on deck, right? Like, how, how what is that like for you? Do you enjoy that? What is that like? How do you kind of interact with that part of the writing process? I love that part of the writing process. 
because I get to give somebody my messy work and say, can you help me make this better? Help me get out of my own brain about this. Something that's maybe like a theme in my writing is this kind of allure of transformation or the the enticement of transformation. And I think editing is the ultimate act of transformation. And in fact, I had a professor at Knox who once wrote on the word the, the blackboard in a classroom in Old Main revision and pointed to the re and pointed to the vision and talked about how you're re-seeing a piece of writing. And I say that to my students all the time still. I think that's really, it's not an easy thing to do without other people to see your work anew. It can be hard, right? I mean, it can be hard to have somebody come into something you may think is perfect and tell you it's not, right? I mean, that's that's one of the toughest things to really learn as a writer is is having to accept that, I think, sometimes. Do you, do you struggle with critique much? Do you feel like, it sounds like you in, enjoy it. The editing process seems to be something that you, you kind of take in stride. Who, who has the hubris to think that they've made something perfect? I can make a perfect cake. I can't make a perfect poem. I can't make a perfect story. I can't make a perfect essay. I rely, I, I am grateful and humbled to have people who would take the time to make, to help me make my work better, you know? No, a birthday cake, I can make you a perfect birthday cake, but I just can't, I just can't do it with a piece of writing. You know? That's perfect. That probably should consider putting that on a shirt. I think that's a good quote right there. <laughs> Last thing for both of y'all, I would love to just hear kind of in, in the realm, Rob, maybe for, for you more Knox-centric, Joanna, I don't know, maybe your teaching or your writing or whatever both of you feels most relevant, you know, within your writing careers and within your teaching careers, what what's the, the the next year look like we both we just entered the new academic year like any exciting things coming up any goals things like that i've been writing poetry because i figure if you can do it you know then then right yeah i have a book of poetry coming out in the spring so that's exciting and between now and then i just want to i have a goal to to write a draft of something new. Um, I don't know what it will be yet. Um, I keep thinking I'm sick of creative nonfiction and sick of dealing with myself. And then I find myself writing creative nonfiction. So we'll see what happens, but definitely I'd like to finish something new between now and April. Is that is that like beginning process where you have like this these empty boxes right and you need to figure out what to fill them with do you like that part of the process or is that like daunting when i'm in it i love it but but when i am i read in i read in three genres and so that's a blessing and a curse because and the curse of it is like i really sometimes am overwhelmed with what I, like I have a lot of ideas. I'm like, do I write this X poetry project? Do I write Y fiction project? Do I write the creative nonfiction project? And that's that's sometimes daunting. But once I'm in something and I'm generating pages, I am quite quite happy. 
Cool. Well, congrats to both of you for the things that are happening this year. Um, it's exciting to look ahead. 2024 is right around the corner, so I'm sure big things will continue to happen. And I appreciate you both stopping by and chatting with us about all things creative writing and all things Knox and uh, a lovely conversation. Uh, thank you both so much. Thanks for having us, Mitch. This was wonderful. Well, there you have it. Thanks for tuning in to the start of KnoxCast Season 2. A big thank you to Joanna and Rob for joining us and sharing their expertise. Another big thank you to Andy Crawford and the entire Knox Jazz Program for helping us with our new intro and outro music. If you have any thoughts about this episode, or any episode, or just have an idea for a great next guest, email us at knoxcast at knox.edu. Thanks for listening.